Won't you turn with me to our text we've been looking at in our previous lessons, 2 Corinthians 13 and 1 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 13 and 1 Corinthians 12. We've been talking, I believe this is our fourth uh, lesson, on the works and the ways of the Holy Spirit. Are you interested in that at all? I am. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Are you there? 13, 14 says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the what? Communion or the fellowship of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Can you commune and fellowship with the Holy Spirit? Yeah, you can. Can you commune with this chair? No, you can't. Can you commune and fellowship with electricity? No, you can't. Can you commune with a person? Yeah. And the Holy Spirit is not an it, not an impersonal power or force. He is a person. And he's knowable. Amen. And he has ways. You can learn his ways. You can learn how he works, how he operates. And that's what we're after, to learn more about that. In 1 Corinthians 12, this chapter talks about the gifts and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12. Now concerning spirituals, the word gifts is added there. And it's one thing to, it would be helpful to note, not all of these are gifts. It's kind of been a misnomer that people have called all of them gifts. I mean, it'd be true in one sense, in the sense that they're given to the church. But they're not all specifically called gifts. And yet they are all manifestations of the Spirit. And you'll see why I said that maybe later on here. Concerning spirituals, things of and pertaining to the Holy Spirit, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Then say it out loud, then I don't want to be ignorant of these things. Lord, teach me about these things. You know that you were Gentiles carried away into these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. The word ghost and spirit are translated from the same Greek word, pneuma. Uh, he's not just talking about somebody just saying this off the top of their head. He's talking about people that's supposed to be prophesying, people that's supposed to be speaking by inspiration. I mean, you could grab somebody on the street and they could just not have any faith and you could say, repeat this after me, Jesus is Lord. Well, they could say it. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about somebody that's supposed to be motivated by the Holy Spirit, somebody inspired speaking by the Spirit. He said, never is somebody inspired speaking by the Spirit going to say Jesus is accursed. Now, see, they had a lot of goofy stuff going on in the church at Corinth. And I suspect they had some people popping up and saying some things that's supposed to have been prophesying, supposed to have been the Holy Spirit, but it was disrespectful of Jesus, even blasphemous concerning him. 
And one thing you'll know about the Holy Spirit, he said when he comes, he will not speak of himself, but he'll say what he hears the Father say and what he hears the Lord Jesus say. And every manifestation, every manifestation is always going to glorify Jesus. Amen. And exalt him and lift him up. And one way you can help discern what is good and what's not, what is God and what's just flesh. Flesh, if it's just flesh, it'll draw attention to the person. It'll draw attention to them. But if it's the Holy Spirit, it draws attention to Jesus. Amen. And exalts and magnifies him every time. Now keep reading. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, or the margin says ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operation, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. So he's not just talking about gifts here, is he? Talking about gifts and what? Ministries and operation. Are there different kinds of ministries? Yeah, and different kinds of operations of God, yes, and different kinds of gifts. Keep reading. But the manifestation of the Spirit. Now see, here he kind of refers to all of those things as manifestations. Manifestation is a big word that means showing forth or uncovering or revealing. If you manifest something, you know, if I have my hand inside my coat and then I show you it, then I manifested it. I showed it, I revealed it. Well, the Holy Spirit is a spirit. He's not physical that you see him, but how many believe he can reveal things and he can show things and bring things out and show things forth? And the manifestation of the Spirit is given to a few really special people. Huh? Verse 7. Are you reading? The manifestation of the Spirit is given to what? Huh? Every man to profit, not just to profit them individually, but to profit with all. To profit everybody. So who could have these kind of things happen in their life? Huh? You? Should you expect to have the things mentioned in this chapter manifest in your life? Yes, you should. Every Christian should have uh, one or more or some of these manifest in their life at some point. Amen? You shouldn't just read this and go, well, that was for them back there then. Or maybe that's for some people that's really prayed up and close to God. Well, all of us can be prayed up and close to God. Amen. And all of us are supposed to be used. And really, you need these things in your daily life to be protected, to be directed, to be helped. You need the Holy Spirit's help. And he helps us through these manifestations. Now, keep reading. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit. Or like we talked about last week, the uh, one translation says special faith, because uh, Titus refers to common faith. To another the gifts of healing. Now see, these are gifts. They're called gifts. 
But they're not gifts in the sense that you just have it and you can turn it off and on when you want to and you can just do what you want to with it. Nobody has a gift of the Spirit in that sense. But there are folk who are used more in one area than others are. Does that make sense? Uh, you know, <coughs> excuse me, sometimes people <coughs> leave the impression, well, so-and-so has a gift of healing. They can just heal anybody they want to. The Lord Jesus himself didn't operate that way. Did you hear me? No, I mean, he went and he preached and he told people he was anointed. And if they believed and if they received, everyone that did that was healed. But there were people he went to and told them that and they didn't believe it. And the Bible said in Mark 6, 5, that there he could do, he could there do no mighty works. Didn't say he decided not to, said he couldn't. Why? Because they didn't believe him. They didn't accept his, what he preached. And so he, you know, he didn't just say, well, I'll just prove it to you. I'll just heal you anyway. He didn't operate that way, and we can't. So so how does it work? I've had people challenge me. You know, well, you believe in healing? I sure do. You believe it's God's will to heal everybody? Absolutely. Well, how do you explain the ones that don't get healed? Well, how do you explain the ones that don't get saved? Huh? Is it God's will for all to be saved? He's not willing that any should perish, right? Then why are all not saved? Well, you have to believe it. Amen. And you have to receive it. Healing's for everybody. Being filled with the Spirit, speaking with tongues is for everybody. Prosperity is for everybody. Living in victory is for everybody. So why don't everybody have it? Not everybody believes it. Not everybody receives it. But it's still true. Still available. If you decide you believe it and receive it, then you can have it. Amen. You can. I said you can. Now, did you say everybody, Brother Keith? You heard me. I didn't stumble. I said everybody. It's God's will for everybody to be saved. It is God's will for everybody to be healed. It's God's will for everybody to be free. It's God's will for everybody to be prosperous and have all their needs met. It's God's will for everybody to be filled with the Spirit and speak with tongues and have these kind of things happening in their life. Every man we just got through reading. Every man. Right? Amen. Folks say, well, I don't believe that. I know, and that's why you don't have it. <laughs> but if you believed it, you could have it. Somebody say, I believe it. Good, I'm glad you do. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, another the word of knowledge, another faith, another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally or individually as he will. Just one Holy Spirit that's manifesting all these different things, and he is dividing or distributing these manifestations to every, per se, every man. Every man. Every man. Individually, as he will. Well, now, we talked about the person of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about receiving and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we talked about speaking in tongues. And we talked about 
different kinds of tongues, and we talked about interpretation of tongues. It's interesting that these nine manifestations fall into three categories of three. Three of these manifestations say something. Tongues, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, that's saying something, saying something, and prophecy is saying something. And three of these manifestations do something. Special faith does something. It's a faith beyond your common ordinary faith that rises up in you and you know ahead of time what's going to happen and you speak the word and it does it. And working of miracles is working doing something. And gifts of healing is doing. It affects healing in the body. Three that say, three that do, and three that reveal. Word of knowledge reveals something. Word of wisdom reveals something. And discerning of spirits reveals something. And tonight we're going to talk about, as the Lord helps us, the revelation manifestations. These ma- the Holy Spirit through these ways, just about anything, I say just about, it's probably everything, but I don't know everything about this, so I use these qualifiers. But everything I've seen that the Holy Spirit does falls into one of these manifestations. Now we divide them and define them to understand them, but so many times they overlap. You'll have two or three of them working together at one time. And it's like, you know, one minister said years ago, He's already gone home to be with the Lord now, but a man mightily used of God had 20-something people raised from the dead over the course of his years of ministry. He said he didn't know whether it was better to know that you were used in a certain gift or to just say, stay so full of the Spirit all the time that he just used you any way he wanted to. Amen. Amen. And that is the key to having these manifest in your life is staying full of the Spirit. And a key to staying full of the Spirit is speaking in tongues. Amen. Amen. Now I know some folk want it without the tongues, but it just don't come that way. <laughs> so you can have some things and do some things, but the fullness of this, you're going to have to receive that. You're going to have to go ahead and yield to that too. Amen. Amen. I said a key to having more of these manifestations in your life is being full of the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. That's not just something that happens one time. That's something that's ongoing day in and day out. Amen. Every day you're more or less filled with the Spirit. People use that term Spirit filled far too loosely. I heard somebody say years ago, they said, you hear about that preacher so and so? You know, he ran off with the piano player in the building fund. I don't understand that. He's spirit-filled. Not that day he wasn't. <laughs> and probably not a lot of days before then. Somebody said, yeah, but I heard him talking in tongues the day before. I don't care if you heard him talking in tongues. He wasn't full of the Spirit. You don't do things like that when you're full of the Spirit. You do things like that when you're full of the flesh. Full of lust. Right? Full of greed. And other not so nice things. But just because, I mean, read the book of Acts carefully. You that have been reading it, maybe you noticed this. The same people that got filled with the Spirit in Acts 2 got filled again in Acts 4. 
There's one initial reception and infilling, but there are many refillings. And there are numerous times in the scripture where you see somebody, and it says on a particular occasion, they were filled with the Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit's in you all the time. He never leaves you nor forsakes you, but He's not always in that strong a degree of manifestation in your life. But He can be stronger. Anybody had the Holy Spirit come on them before? Huh? Well, if you haven't, you don't know what you're missing. Now, you need to stay with it when you do. Yeah, He's in you all the time. He doesn't leave you nor forsake you, but He can come on you and manifest on you in a different degree. He can get in a chair with you, get in the car with you. And when He does, you don't have to ask somebody, is He here? That's right. <laughs> Amen. He's real. He's a person. We sometimes refer to His manifest presence as the anointing, the glory, the presence, all different descriptions for the same person manifesting and revealing Himself. Now when He manifests and reveals Himself, it will be through these different things that are described here, through gifts of healings, through working of miracles, through special faith, through tongues, interpretation, prophecy, and through revealing How many know there's some things we need to know day to day in life? Some things are critical to your safety. Some things are vital and necessary to you doing the will of God. You wouldn't know what church to go to. You wouldn't know what you're supposed to do with your life, what direction you're supposed to go, unless He reveals it to you. Well, these are ways He reveals things to us. Let's take the first one here. Well, actually, I think we'll take these first two together. Verse 8. Verse 8. We're talking about the revelation manifestations. And these first two, the word of wisdom and word of knowledge. Let's talk about what they are not and what they are. Word of knowledge. Let's talk about it. First of all, it is not the gift of knowledge. You hear people say that sometimes, and it's a misquote, and it's incorrect thinking. Besides, I don't just say it for, to be technical. It's wrong thinking. Sometimes people talk about, well, boy, so-and-so, they are so smart, they are so sharp, they have the gift of knowledge. No, that's not what this is talking about. All of these are supernatural. If one of them supernatural, all of them are supernatural. Amen? Everybody say, word of knowledge. Now, knowledge is, of course, knowing something. And the Holy Spirit who is in you is omniscient. God is omniscient. He knows everything about everything. The Bible says you have an anointing. First John, you have an anointing of the Holy One and you know all things. Now, that doesn't mean you're omniscient, but the one who's inside you knows everything and he could pass something on to you. He could let you know something. Now, word of knowledge. A word is a fragmentary part of a sentence. He didn't say paragraph of knowledge. He didn't say half page of knowledge. What did he say? A word of knowledge. It's kind of like a doctor or a lawyer. I mean, you might call up. We called our attorney today about something. And uh, they... uh, 
We asked them a question. Well, these guys have studied for years and been in practice for years, and, and they know what's in those law books up one side and down the other. We didn't sit down and them try to tell us everything they know about the law. Didn't want to hear it right now. Probably never want to hear it. But they gave us a what? A word that applied to our specific situation and answered our specific question. A word of knowledge concerning the law. Well, the Lord will give you a word of knowledge about something that has happened or something that is going on, something that he knows. And it is supernatural revelation. A word of knowledge is something that you know that there's no way you could know except he revealed it to you. It's not something you learned. It's not something you figured out. It's not your great powers of reasoning or deduction. None of that natural thing. It is supernatural. Now we're going to look at some examples in the book of Acts that should clarify some of these things. Word of wisdom is similar and yet different. Again, it's a word. Sometimes you hear people say, well, I think God's given me the gift of wisdom. No, that's wrong. You're thinking wrong. All of us can have wisdom of God. Didn't the Bible say in James, if any man lack wisdom, what? Let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraids not. It'll be given to him. You know, one reason sometimes people use some of these phrases is actually a lot of pride involved. They like to think that they're superior and special in some way. And so they claim, I have the gift of this. And it's a misquote and it's not correct. All of these manifestations are supernatural. Are you with me? Speaking in tongues is not learning new languages. It's speaking a language you do not know and do not understand. Gifts of healings is not the doctors. Thank God for the doctors. I pray for the doctors. I pray for researchers that they will get new ideas and they will get good understanding and have breakthroughs. But gifts of healings is not the doctors. Did you hear me? It is supernatural, divine healing manifested in different areas. And all, every one of these, how many know working on miracles is not natural, supernatural. Every one of these, and so is this, word of knowledge and word of wisdom. Now, word is not a paragraph, not a half page, a word. God's never going to tell you everything he knows. I doubt we could handle a fraction of what he knows, right? There's a lot of things I don't want to know about. I, I, you know, just dealing with what I got to deal with is, is enough for me. Give me the words I need to help me with what I've got. Amen. To do the job we're supposed to do. And um, knowledge, like we said, is knowing something. God revealing a word to you, a part of something he knows. Wisdom has to do with the future. And it has to do with the plan and the purpose of God. You know, wisdom, just not talking about the word of wisdom now, but just wisdom has to do with being able to see the end of a thing. I mean, if you're just, you know, somebody painting a floor or a wall, and they paint themselves into a corner, that was not wisdom, right? What was the problem? 
They didn't think ahead to think, how am I going to get out of here when I get through with this? Wisdom looks to the end of the deal, sees where we're going, and begins to see the bigger picture. How many know God knows the big picture? He sees the big picture. He knows the end from the beginning. And didn't Jesus say that one of the parts of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is that he shows us things to come? Now, he's never going to sit down with you with your daytimer and go over every day with you and give you all the details. Some say, well, why won't he? I want him to do that. No, he's not going to do that. He expects you and I to walk by faith. He's not going to give us the whole book of wisdom. I'm talking about the whole story. He's going to give us a what? A word, a little bit of an opening. He's going to give us a partial understanding, enough to head that way. Enough to take the right steps, to go the right direction, to say the right things, to expect the right things. And the rest of it, he expects us to walk out by faith. Faith goes not knowing everything. Amen. But thank God for revelation. Everybody say word of knowledge. Word of wisdom. Let me just go over it real quickly. Be turning with me back to the book of Acts. We'll start in the ninth chapter. Acts 9, and let me just review, word of knowledge is not the gift of knowledge. It is not a profound knowledge of the Bible. It is not superior intellect or mentality. It's got nothing to do with that. It is supernatural revelation of something in the mind of God, something that God knows about now or about the past. Word of wisdom. It's not gift of wisdom. Word of wisdom. It is not great wisdom from much learning or much experience. It's got nothing to do with great powers of deduction or being crafty. No, it's supernatural revelation of things that God knows and understands about the future and about his plan and about his purpose. Are you interested in that? Now, you know, the Bible said covet earnestly the best gifts. And sometimes people ask, well, what is the best gift? Well, one minister said it like this. I like it. He said the best gift is the one you need at the time. (laughs) And that would be true. But in another sense, this one may be, the word of wisdom may be preeminent in some respects. Because what greater thing is there than to know the will and the plan and the purpose of God? Amen. This would definitely be at the top of the list. Acts 9, in the ninth chapter, beginning at verse 10, we will see a perfect New Testament example of both word of knowledge and word of wisdom. In Acts 9.10, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prays, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. This came through a vision. 
Now, a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom can come a number of different ways. It could come through a vision. It could come through a dream. It could come through an angelic visitation. It could come through a voice. These are the more spectacular ways. But so often it comes in ways not so spectacular. It can come just in a knowing, just in a witness. It could come through a tongue or through an interpretation or through a prophecy. It could come a number of ways, but it always works out the same, that you know something that there's no way you could have known. Now, now Ananias knows that there's a man named Saul and that he has seen a vision. How would he know that? And that he is praying and that he is at a place on a street called Straight, gave him the address. How would he know that? Revelation, a word of knowledge. This is something God, does God know where everybody's at? Yeah, and what they're doing and what's going on. But he didn't need to know where everybody was at. He did need to know where Saul was at. Now, you know, you see, there's popular interest in people that are dealing in the uh, afterlife and psychic this and that and people that know some things about somebody that's dead or know some things and people are in awe of that. But friend, don't be carried away with that. That's familiar spirits. Spirits that knew something about these people when they lived. Of course, they know they were intimate with them. They know all kind of stuff. But that doesn't make it God. It doesn't make it right. And we don't need to have anything to do with that. Absolutely never, ever, ever should a Christian call a psychic hotline. Did you hear me? Or check the horoscope. Did you hear me? I mean, that is actually insulting to the one who's inside you. It's acting like you don't have any source of knowledge. The Holy Spirit knows everything about everything, and He's on the inside of you. Amen? You want to know something, look on the inside. Amen? And He is well able to reveal to you the things that you need to know about your life. Besides that, the devil is a known liar. He might tell you a half of something that was true to get you hooked and then tell you some lies that will mess your life up if you follow him and do them. Leave that stuff. I had a fellow tell me one time, he said, well, he had all these books on witchcraft and the occult and all this stuff. And he said, I said, you know, why you got that? And he said, well, I'm reading up on it so I know how to minister to these people. Absolutely not. No. You read up on this book. Amen. You get to know the Holy Spirit. And then you'll know by contrast what's wrong. They tell us that people in the U.S. Mint don't necessarily study counterfeits. They study the real bill. And they know that thing so well inside and out, they can pick up anything that's different from the original. Study the original. Amen. Get to know this. And leave that other stuff alone. And don't be enamored by something that's supernatural. There's a lot of stuff that's supernatural that's not God. You and I don't need to go anywhere to find out anything about us and our life or our relationships or our kids. we got the helper right on the inside. If you're saved, you got the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. Amen? Amen? Let Him help you. 
Look to him. So he knew all this supernaturally. And I keep reading. Ananias said, Lord, I've heard by many of this man how much evil he's done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on your name. He said, Lord, do you know who you're talking about? You sure? You want me to go see that guy? Verse 15, but the Lord said to him, go your way, for he is a chosen vessel. Now let's stop right here. What are we getting into now? This is what he is, and this is what he's going to do. What is this? Word of wisdom concerning the future, concerning the plan and the will and the purpose of God. How would Ananias know that this man is a chosen vessel of God? He goes on to say, he's going to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. He talks about his life and his ministry for years to come, doesn't he? Does God still do things like this? Yes, he does. In this case, it was revealed through a vision. But it could be revealed, like I said to you, a number of ways. You could just know it on the inside. It could come to you almost like a voice. It could come in a dream. I mean, there's any number of ways that the Lord could reveal this kind of thing to you. Don't try to make it spectacular. But expect to know some things. How many believe if you stay prayed up and get close to God, you should be knowing some things? Knowing, seeing some things, knowing some things. So here we have a word of knowledge about where Saul was and what was going on with him. And then a word of wisdom about who he was in the plan of God and how he is later on going to stand in front of kings and give his testimony. And he did. Now that would have probably been really hard for a lot of those Christians to believe right then. That this is going to be one of God's key people. He's going to be an apostle. He's going to stand up before leaders of state when he is trying to wipe out the church. Last thing they heard. Things can change quick, can't they? Sometimes people are praying for God to destroy individuals. And sometimes the way to fix it is just get them saved. Amen. Skip on down to the 10th chapter. Y'all in a big hurry tonight? Hmm? You know, some things uh, might, you might not just shout about so much when you're hearing it. But I guarantee you, you get some of these things working in your life. You'll do some shouting. Hmm? Knowing some things supernaturally. God's sparing your life. Let me just give you a real quick example of a word of knowledge in our own life. Just a couple of years ago. I don't know at the times this, I mean, this kind of thing has happened so much, it's just like a normal way of life to us now. There was a time when it wasn't. But if you believe in these things and you look for them and you expect them, then you have more of them. I know we were getting ready to go somewhere in the airplane that the Lord had given us. Everybody say given us. Did you say give? I said give. Given. And uh, nice. And we were going somewhere. And uh, had two different people, and one of them well-trained, and the other was supposed to well be well-trained too. Supposed to check the airplane and get it ready to go. And I did a real quick check, and I came. I was supposed to come late, and we got in, and I'm flying. I'm in the left seat. And this particular plane had a nose wheel that you had a pin you had to go in. You had to put the pin in, or you don't have any steering. And, of course, when you're doing 120 miles an hour down the runway, no steering could be a real problem. So it's just something you just don't forget. 
Of course, we got checklist. And I asked about four times about that pen, which normally you wouldn't ask that many times. That was that pen in? Oh yeah, yeah, pen's in. Y'all check the pen? Yeah, pen's in. Line crew, y'all check the pen? Oh yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's vertical. Supposed to be vertical. Yeah, it's vertical. I'm in there, doors shut, all buckled up, ready to start and everything. It just kept coming up about that pen. I'm not hearing a voice. I'm not seeing a vision. But it just kept coming up about the pen. And I've learned through making mistakes and through other things to pay attention to that. So no matter what people told me, I said, all right, I'm checking the pen. So I, I unbuttoned everything. I got out and opened the door. Everybody's waiting on me, you know. I mean, it's a kind of a deal. But that's all right. I've learned. Check, obey that. Now, I'm not hearing a voice. I'm not feeling goosebumps. I'm not seeing anything. I just have this knowing in me about something. And so I get out. Guess what? Pen's not in right. Pen's in wrong. Means no steering. Well, the Lord saved us. He spared us. We've had that kind of thing again and again and again and again. Just this past weekend, I was getting ready to go down to Dallas. and I went out and pre-flighted and checked the airplane. And, and uh, everything's new on the thing. I mean, just a few months ago, everything is new. And so it's clean and engines are clean. You could eat off of them. And, and I've checked them and checked them and checked them. But I got out there and I really, you know, really didn't want to take any time to do it because I was busy and ahead of the thing. I did a pretty good check. But the Lord dealt with me. You need to look at it closer. Look at it closer. I thought, well, okay. So I got my screwdriver out. I took the cowling off. I looked and I got my, I got a little mirror that I can extend and with a little flashlight. And I found a leak. And the guys, I told them about it, you know, and, and they said, how'd you find that leak? Well, God. Right? Wasn't a problem, but we got it before it ever became a problem. How many believe the Lord will help you on things like that every day of your life? A lot of times before I go out of the door to do something, I'll just stop just a minute and go, Now, Lord, is there something I need to know? Is there something I'm not remembering? Is there something I need to check on? And a lot of times it will come up and i go, Oh, yeah, 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 I forgot about that. Thank you, Lord. Well, how would I know that? I wouldn't. There's no natural way I could know some of those things. But I got somebody inside me who knows everything about everything. You know, so many times people say, well, uh, you know, why that man was a good Christian. That woman was a good Christian. And why did the Lord let them have that car wreck? And why did the Lord let them die in that plane crash? Now, the question is, why didn't they hear him? And why didn't they obey? I'm completely convinced that there is no child of God that gets in any kind of a tragic situation that the Lord did not try to warn them and not try to tell them what to do, but they either didn't listen or they just didn't obey. I'm thoroughly convinced. I know every time I've ever had a problem and mistake, again and again, especially since I've learned to listen to the Lord some, again and again, I didn't listen. I'm saying, why didn't you listen? Well, why didn't you? <laughs> Well, let's not dwell on that. Let's dwell on listening. Amen. Let's dwell on obeying. Are you in chapter 10? You know Acts is just full of this, don't you? In the 10th chapter of Acts, 
There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. He was a devout man, one that feared God with all his house, gave much alms to the people, prayed to God always, prayed to God always, prayed to God all the time, prayed to God. Someone said, why do you say that? I'm talking about how to have more of these kind of things happen. Amen? Praying. And particularly praying in the Spirit. Praying in tongues will help you. But just praying will help you in any way, understanding and or in the Spirit. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel came to him and said, Cornelius, and he looked on him, he was afraid. He said, what is it, Lord? He said, your prayers and your alms or your giving has come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa, that's an address, call for one Simon. He didn't have a clue who that was, whose surname is Peter. He's staying with another fellow named Simon who's in the tanning business and his house is by the seaside. What is that? Word of knowledge. How would you know about this man that's at the forefront of the move of God and he is a, uh, he's Cornelius, he's in the Roman army here. He's in a different life, in a different place. Than these folk are. How would you know where the man was at? How would you know who he was staying with? Revelation. Word of knowledge. He's staying with Simon a tanner. Whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell you what you ought to do. Now see that gets into some word of wisdom doesn't it? Because it's talking about. What he's going to tell you. And how it's going to affect your life. Skip on over. God was getting Peter ready for this, you remember. He was real hungry, went up on the housetop to pray, fell into a trance. And uh, saw this vision. And in verse 17, same chapter, verse 17, he's thinking about this, what he's seen, and uh, what it should mean. And behold, the men that had been sent from Cornelius, they were standing out in front of the, the door at the address God had given them. Perfect timing. And called and said whether Simon, who was surnamed Peter, was lodged there. And while Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said, the Spirit said, did the Spirit speak to them in the New Testament, in the book of Acts? Can he still speak? Yeah. A fellow was saying one time, he said, all these people talking about God told me this, and, and the Spirit spoke to me that. That bothers me. All these folks saying, the Lord told me. Another fellow said, I tell you what bothers me is all these folk who never hear from God. <laughs> well, granted, there are some folk who say the Lord said and he didn't say. There are some people who said the Lord said this and the Lord said that. The Lord spoke to me and they didn't hear from him. It's just a, a production of their mind. But it doesn't take away from the fact that God spoke to his people from Genesis to Revelation, and he still speaks to his people. Amen? And the Spirit of God speaks to us. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through the teaching and preaching of the gospel. He speaks to us through the inward witness, just that inward knowing. Like I was saying, it kept coming up to me about checking that pen. It's just a knowing. It's a witness. It's a sense. He could also speak to you through a dream, through a vision, through what would be to you an audible voice. He still speaks to his people. Doesn't he? The spirit said to him. Behold three men are looking for you. Get up and go with them. 
Doubting nothing, I have sent them. That is both word of knowledge about who they are, where they are, what's going on, and word of wisdom about what to do and about the plan of God. He didn't tell him what's going to happen when he got there. He just said, go. Didn't he? God requires you to walk by faith. Why didn't he tell him? It was so important. He didn't want to. He expects you to walk by faith. I mean, he told us just, uh, what was it? Eight months or nine months ago, come to Branson. We didn't have a clue why. Had no intention of a church. We just came, looked around, thought, well, why should we be up here? We thought we were just visiting. You know, the Lord don't tell you everything at once. I think sometimes that's good. He don't tell you everything at once. He kind of lets you get used to the idea and then tells you some more. Amen. Have you found that to be true? And then we realized we wasn't going home. And, it, and that this was home. And we're mighty glad about it now. God's so good. Amen. Phyllis said the other day, uh, we got in yesterday evening. And we were flying in. In our little airplane, it's perfectly fixed now. I had all those things checked and corrected, and it's very, very nice. And, and we're sailing over in perfect air. She said, I feel like we're going home. I said, yeah, Branson is home. Amen? You know God has a place for you. He's preparing a place for you in heaven that's your place. But also on earth, he has a place for you. And that's what we'd been believing God for for years, our place. Amen. And uh, I believe this is it. Amen. Till he says something different, it is. Skip on down, if you would, to the 11th chapter of Acts. Let me mention some things that are really uh, important and will help protect you as you... Uh, begin to learn these things and begin to hunger. You know, the scripture said that we are to covet these things. Is that right? Not covet your neighbor's car or house or, or wife or not be greedy for somebody, but covet these things. Are you? Now, one reason I'm talking about these, because I want us to stir up and get hungry for them. Amen. Somebody said out loud, I covet. I earnestly desire the gifts and manifestations of the Spirit. Amen. We won't. And the reason I had you say that, I don't want the Lord just to hear me saying it. I want Him to hear Faith Life Church. Amen. And the ministries and the churches in Branson. I don't just want Him to use me. I want Him to use the other pastors all over town. Amen. And the other ministers. And with a lot of ministers. A lot of ministries. In these shows and, and in these churches, a lot of ministries, we can believe God for just a, a real coming up in the Spirit. Amen. That we just have these things like we've never had them before. And how many believe that result in the miraculous, that result in people's needs being met, protecting us, people be spared, that they wouldn't have been otherwise. Do you realize that we have a number, I mean, I can just think of right now, a dozen people that are alive tonight. Amen. That I'm just sure would be gone if it wasn't for the intervention of the Lord. God's doing things in our midst. Amen. We're giving Him the glory. Keep reading here. Acts 11. 
in Acts 11 and verse 27. In these days came prophets from Jerusalem to Antioch. Are there still prophets today? Yeah, there are. Are there still apostles? Yeah, there's still everything that there ever was. People call them by, sometimes people call apostles missionaries. Uh, an apostle is someone who is sent, not by an organization and not by their mother. Somebody who is sent by God to a place or to accomplish a certain thing. Sometimes people are apostles of a certain, like an apostle of faith to the body, or an apostle of prosperity, or an apostle in a certain area to get the body up, or an apostle to a place or a country. And, uh, you know, if they just went, well, like one fellow said, some are sent and some just went. But if they're sent by God, they're an apostle, and there are different degrees and levels of those. But they're also evangelists, and they're pastors, and they're teachers, and they're prophets, just like they always were. Don't get hung up on that. I mean, you shouldn't have any more problem with somebody being an apostle than you do them being a pastor. Did you hear me? Or somebody being a prophet than you do somebody being an evangelist. It's just wrong thinking is why people, you know, have an aversion to these terms. They're Bible terms. We shouldn't have an aversion to them. Now, on the other hand, you understand not everybody that says that they are an apostle are one. And just because somebody said there's a prophet, that don't make them a prophet. I mean, you could stand out in the barn and call yourself a horse, but that won't make you a horse. You can get in the garage and call yourself a car, but that won't make you one. No. And these things are not in labels. They're not in titles. They're in fruit. Did you hear me? Don't make a big deal out of what somebody says they are. Where's the fruit? If they are an apostle, there'll be apostle fruit. Some people, bless their hearts, they don't know what they're talking about. Come in. I've had pastor friends of mine say that somebody showed up and said, there's an apostle. So now there's going to run stuff for them. You know, well, apostles are sent ones. And usually like Paul, I mean, he raised up churches all over the known world. And like one fellow said, these guys, some of them calling themselves apostles, they never built even a chicken coop. They never built anything. Much less churches and calling themselves apostles. So there's a lot of mixed up stuff, but at the same time, the real is still the real. Keep reading these prophets. One of them stood up named Agabus, and he signified by the Spirit that there should be a great Darth throughout all the world. And it came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. He talked about things to come. What is that? Word of wisdom concerning what is coming up. And the plan and purpose of God. And when you hear something like that, you're not just supposed to shake your head and go, mm-mm, ain't that something. Verse 29, then the disciples did something. Every man according to his ability sent relief. They sent money to the brethren that were in that area. Now go on over with me, if you would, real quickly to the 21st chapter. I'll try to wind this up pretty quick, but I don't want to short you either because uh, only having one shot at you a week along some of these things, I want to give you as much as we can without going too long. If you just get tired of listening to me, you can leave. That's all right. I won't be upset. I won't be offended. Just rest up and come back when you can take some more. (laughs) 
Just don't sit in the window. <laughs> like you because remember that story? Paul got to preach and went all night long. Didn't he? Somebody said, yeah, but if it was anointed, you know, then it'd be exciting. Well, Eutychus must not have been too excited. <laughs> huh? Are you saying Paul wasn't anointed? Were you thinking he missed God on that? Nothing is said about that. Eutychus got tired. He's sitting in the window. Fell out. You remember that? <laughs> fell out and died. You know, it don't pay to sleep in church, does it? <laughs> <laughs> thank God Paul was prayed up and went down and ministered to him he was raised from the dead now you think a long winded preacher might get a clue at that point but he goes back and starts up again didn't he and preached the whole way through the daylight <laughs> don't get scared I'm not planning on that <laughs> Acts 21 now, this is something very significant. Acts 21, Paul and Luke and their evangelistic party, you might say, were traveling. And they came to Coos, to Rhodes, to Patera, to Phoenicia. Verse 3, when we discovered Cyprus, we left it on the left hand and sailed to Syria. This is Acts 21.3. And landed at Tyre, for there the ship was to unlaid her burden. And finding disciples, everybody say disciples. See, not prophets, not apostles. These are what we might call lay people. But how many know lay people? You don't have to be called into the fivefold ministry. You can stay prayed up and know the Holy Ghost and get things from God. But now here's the thing. Just because you have a revelation, that doesn't make you a prophet. Just because you see and know something supernaturally, or just because you prophesy, that doesn't make you a prophet. And yet a prophet will prophesy and see and know things, but it's on a different level. Keep reading. He found certain disciples, finding disciples rather, and we tarried there seven days, and they said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. Now, there have been whole volumes written by theologians about this, and they'll try to tell you that Paul missed God. Because, you know, he, did, he went on to Jerusalem. You read in the book of Acts, he went on, and there was a big uproar, and uh, eventually they put him in jail, and then he was just in jail one time after another after that. And people will say, well, Paul missed God. I don't believe that. There are too many other things that indicate he was obeying God. Amen. Nothing in the scripture says he missed God about this. How many remember we already read back in the beginning when he first got saved, the Lord said, he is going to bear my name before the Gentiles and before kings. Isn't that what happened as a result of his imprisonment? And he's going to suffer a lot of things for my name's sake. God told him that's what was going to happen. And that's how it happened. And yet these guys told him, it says, through the Spirit, that he should not go up. Now read on down a few verses to verse 10. Well, no, let's, uh, verse 8, let's read a little bit more of it. Verse 8, same chapter. The next day we that were of Paul's company departed and came to Caesarea. We entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist, which was one of the seven and abode with him. 
Now let's just stop right there. They stayed with Philip the evangelist, a preacher, and the whole party stayed at his house. I'm best I can count, there's at least 10 to 12 people. Evangelist house with 10 bedrooms. Just thought you ought to think about that a little bit. And the same had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. They prophesied. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. Now, we've already heard about him. Agabus was not just a disciple and not just uh, somebody who prophesied. He was a prophet. And when he was come to us, he took Paul's girdle, we'd call it his belt, and he tied up his, Agabus' own hands and feet, and he said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost. Now this is a different uh, description. Back over it says, they said, these disciples said this to Paul through the Spirit. Listen to the Williams translation. It says, they said to Paul, because of impressions made by the Spirit. They had an impression. And the impression was right. But they jumped to the wrong conclusion. The prophet, did he say I had an impression? No. Uh-uh, what did he say? He said, the Holy Ghost said this. I'm not just interpreting what I sensed. The Holy Ghost said this. This is a much stronger thing. He said, the Holy Ghost said, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owns this belt or girdle and will deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Did he say, I have an impression that you ought not go? Uh-uh. Did he say the Holy Ghost said this is going to happen? So Paul, don't disobey God. Now you better not go. Mm-mm. He said this is going to happen. What's he doing? He's getting him ready. He's going to need to be strong. Verse 12, And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. The whole bunch said, Well, man, then don't go. I mean, if they're going to put you in jail, if they're going to bind you up and turn you over to the Gentiles, don't go. And Paul said, what mean you to weep and to break my heart? For I'm ready not to be bound only, but I'm ready to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be, now get verse 14, when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying, well, you're missing God. Are you reading? Huh? What'd they say? Then they were not sure that it was the will of God he was not to go. Then they said, well, let the will of the Lord be done. Now the reason I bring all this up is because this is word of wisdom. Revelation about what's going to happen. But there has been a lot of damage done in the church over people prophesying that don't know what they're doing. Did you hear me? These disciples, did you get this? They told Paul, you're not supposed to go. And that wasn't true. And the reason they told him that is because they picked up in their spirit that it was going to be rough on him in Jerusalem. And it was. But he was supposed to go. Amen? It was part of the plan of God. God got him in front of kings, didn't he? And he stood up in front of Felix and he stood up in front of Festus and preached the gospel to heads of state. Didn't he? 
And it was rough. And he was in a jail cell. But he wrote Philippians in there. And it wasn't just wasted time. I'm telling you God was using him. And is still using him powerful to this day. And don't misunderstand me. Let's not get down on anybody. But let's get some understanding. See you can sense something in your spirit. But then jump to conclusions about what it means. And then people who are not prophets. But they're, you know, they're prophesying and trying to tell folk what to do and what not to do. This can cause great harm and damage. Because sometimes people are even sincere themselves. And I've made mistakes myself. And anybody that's going to develop in these areas, you're going to make a mistake. Don't be afraid. Well, I'm just too afraid I'd make a mistake if I tried to talk in tongues. If I try, Hey, let me put your mind at rest. You will make some mistakes. But you will never develop if you don't do anything. If you just sit back scared, won't step out, you'll never develop. But the thing is, you got to have a teachable spirit. And you got to re- be correctable. And you got to realize that you're not the only one that has the Holy Spirit. And particularly people that have more experience in these things than you do, you need to respect what they say. Amen. And when you do make a mistake, and I have, when you make a mistake, just say, I missed it. I'm sorry. You know, I sensed this, and I thought it meant that, and I said that. Now, see, that's not what he meant. How many know we need to be careful about adding to and taking from and jumping to conclusions about things? But to protect us in these areas... You and I, it's different in the New Testament than it was in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, people went to the prophet to get direction. In the New Testament, you are not to seek prophets for direction. Did you hear me? You have the Holy Spirit inside you. Every one of us do. No, you're not to seek prophets for direction. And if somebody does prophesy something to you, don't just close it all off. God could use somebody to speak to you, but you'll know if it's right. right. I said, you will know. You have the same spirit in you that's supposed to be speaking through somebody else. And if it's right, you'll have a witness about it. You'll have a knowing. You'll have a sense that it's right. And you'll be thinking, yep, yep, yep. That's the same thing God's been saying to me all week. Yep, yep, that's it. Hmm? But if somebody says something to you and you're thinking, hmm, boy, I hadn't even thought of that. Whoa, where'd that come from? That's the thing you leave alone because they can miss it. I don't care if it's me. I don't care who it is. You judge everything that anybody preaches to you or anybody prays over you or anybody's supposed to prophesy to you. You judge it by this book. If it disagrees with any word of this, you just throw it out. Just smile at them and say, well, keep trying. You'll learn. Don't get ugly. You don't have to be mean and rude. I've had people prophesy to me before and they were just so intense and grabbed my hands and jumped up and down and said, yea, thus saith the Lord. And when they got through, they said, does that bear witness with you? I said, no. (laughs) I'm sorry. It doesn't. Well, it's the word of the Lord. Well, no, I don't believe it is. I got the Holy Ghost too. You better receive it from me. No, I don't have to. Uh-uh. You better back off. You better cool your jets. Learn a thing or two. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying now? In fact, go to... Uh, <laughs> I think I'm closing. 
Where did I want you to see Timothy, I believe it is. Yeah, 1 Timothy 5. And then 2 Kings 6. And then I'm just going to quit. We won't get to all this, but that's all right. I didn't figure we would. 1 Timothy 5. Everybody said out loud, I, I have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit living, inside living inside me. I know, I know. when a thing is right. And I know when it is not. How would you know? How do you know? By revelation. Amen. Could be by a word of knowledge. Doesn't have to be spectacular. You just know a thing. Amen. In 1 Timothy, something that goes along with this, and then we're going to close, like I said, with uh, 2 Kings. 1 Timothy and the 5th chapter. 1 Timothy 5.22. What does it say? 1 Timothy 5.22. Lay hands suddenly on no man and neither be a partaker of other men's sins and keep yourself pure. I'd say that works both ways. Don't be overly quick to lay hands on somebody and don't be overly quick to let them lay hands on you. Did you hear me? Now, you know, it's because of ignorance. People have thought, well, if somebody wants to pray with me, then I should just pray and let them pray what they want to pray. And if somebody want to lay hands on me, then that's just being nice and cordial to go along with it. No, listen, these things are holy. And they are important. And if you want to lay hands on somebody for them to be healed, and they don't believe in healing, and they don't want you fooling with them, then you better leave them alone. Don't do it. God's not going to push something off on them that they don't want, and you can't. And you actually just harden them because they'll think God's like that, and he's not. And sometimes people are always wanting to lay hands on you and impart. So first of all, look at them. Do you want what's on them? On you. Did you hear me? And besides that, don't, you know, you do not have to submit to just anything that anybody wants to pray over you or say over you or lay hands on you. Be discriminating about these things. People should only pray. They should only lay hands when both of them respect it. They are in faith and they expect results. Amen. Amen. And you do these things too much, then you, uh, you callous yourself to it. It loses its holiness. Now, uh, hurriedly, 2 Kings 6, I want us to act on this verse. That's why I want you to look at it real quick. And I am closing on this verse, I believe. 2 Kings 6, we're going to read this and then we're going to act on this. I'm telling you, we are getting some really good results from this passage of Scripture. I'll tell you about them a little bit. In 2 Kings 6, you know the story that the prophet Elisha, I believe it was. Yeah, Second Kings 6 and 9, I believe is where we should start reading. Verse 8, the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants. And he said, in such and such place shall be my camp. They made their plans in the war room, a secure place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel and he said, you better watch out. The Syrians are putting an ambush at this certain place. He told them the coordinates where the enemy was planning their attack. 
And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him. He sent to check it out and he warned him of and saved himself there not once nor twice. This happened repeatedly. The man of God had sent back word to the king and say, you know, over there in the southeast, that certain place and that certain behind that certain town, watch out. What is that? Word of knowledge. So how would he know? God showed him. And therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and he said to them, will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? He said, we got a leak. One of you is a betraying rascal. Somebody is telling our war plans and it's getting back to the king of Israel. And one of the servants said, no king, not so. But Elisha the prophet that's in Israel is telling the king of Israel what you're saying in your bedroom. How could he know? Everybody say word of knowledge. Revelation. Supernatural knowing. Now, we were down at Brother Kenneth Copeland's on 9-11 last year when those things happened. And we went to prayer. And the Lord said some things immediately. And among other things that we were led to pray and say is that we would have supernatural intelligence for our you know, intelligence communities, our military. And I'm telling you, we've had it. I said, we've had it. Amen. You know, some people were really upset because of the heightened alert here a few days ago. Uh, at the anniversary of 9-11. When I heard it, I rejoiced. I thought, you know what happened? They found out some stuff. Yeah, right. Amen. They found out some stuff the enemy didn't want them to find out. We've talked to people who were undercover in the FBI. They came to me after a sermon one night, these particular people, and they said, man, you don't know what you're saying, but it's happening. It's happening just like that. He said, we are seeing things, and they are shaking their heads going, how did you know? How did you know? How did you find out? Because we serve a God who still knows everything about everything. And he can show us if we'll pray and if we'll stay tuned in and tuned up and listen. Stand on your feet. I want us to pray a prayer further in agreement about our country. And then also I want us to pray over the church and over you individually and in your ministry. I believe these things will start happening more in your life. Do you? I believe you'll just get up in the morning and know some things. And you'll think, how do I know that? And people will say, how would you know that? And you'll say, the Lord showed me. Don't have to have a vision. You just know it. He revealed it to me. Let's pray it out loud. Say it out loud. Father God, thank you for giving me your spirit. Thank you for revealing to me things I need to see and know, things you want me to know, things you want to reveal to me. I covet these things. I earnestly desire these things. Give me and your ministers and your churches and your people. Everywhere, manifestations of word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, and all these gifts, 
and manifestations. Reveal to us things we should know. And reveal to us your plan, your purpose, your will. We ask for it. We believe we receive it. Help us to recognize it and yield to it and cooperate with it when it comes and get glory to yourself in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Put your hands up and thank Him that that's going to happen in your life and in your family and in your ministry and in your church in a greater measure than it has before. Oh, let's just praise Him a little bit. Lift up your hearts. Thank Him. Faith gives thanks. Would it make you happy when you saw something supernaturally, when you were spared an accident, saved from losing money? Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you. Help us to pay attention. In Jesus' name, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Glory to God, glory to God. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.